evening. Uh, there are Bibles in the rack in front of you. You can also follow along on the screen. We'll be reading Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. I'll read as you follow along. If we'll all stand at this time, those who are able. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. says, What shall we then say to these things, if God be for us? Who can be against us? He that spare not his own son, but deliver him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this wonderful uh, day we've had here in church on Easter Sunday. I thank you for the risen Savior today. Thank you for uh, the blood that you shed for us and the time that we were able to re- take some extra time to remember uh, what you did on Calvary. Thank you for the love that you showed each and every one of us. Pray you just use Pastor Mason now as he preaches. Prepare our hearts. Help us to receive and apply uh, your word as he preaches. And thank you for your love to us. In your name I pray. Amen. Yeah, you can be seated. This world will not get better on its own. More problems each day, and we're losing sight of hope. We need to admit we can't fix what's going wrong. But there's someone who can do what we've needed all along. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. No one can love like he does, heart by heart and one by one. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. From every corner of the planet, it's the same. We can't get along because we don't know how to change. No plan formed by man can set us free inside. But the Prince of Peace can reach our wounded hearts and minds. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. No one can love like he does, heart by heart and one by one. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. He's the bridge between us. The source of all forgiveness, the light that conquers darkness, the only one who can save us. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. No one can love like he does, heart by heart and one by one. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. Every man, woman, boy, and girl. 
Jesus can heal this hurting world. We are already uh, behind, but uh, took time, certainly, especially for the observance of the Lord's Supper, and very, very glad to do that. So, I want to finish this series we've been on, and I'm going to finish it tonight, all right? Um, I know I've said stuff like that before, but this time I really mean it. Um, And uh, so, we have been talking about but God moments in the Bible. I'm not even going to repeat them. I'm going to jump right into the very last point. I'm afraid that if I repeat them, we, we might linger. And so, let's pray, jump right in. Lord, help us, guide, direct our words or thoughts. Bless this time, we do pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know <coughs> whether or not you have enjoyed this series, but I have. It has really helped me, and, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's part of it. There's, there's two or three others that I'm, I'm praying about and, and prepping about for, for upcoming um, there's a lot of a lot of good to be said in connecting things, and then I have some some random thoughts that I'd like to share with our church as well. I love Sunday nights, I really do. I realize that a lot of times on Sunday evenings our crowd is 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 very different. Uh, this morning, of course, we had uh, a great crowd with many many guests, and uh, uh, I don't know, maybe forty fifty visitors perhaps, and uh, some we see occasionally, and I'm very glad for that too. By the way, very glad. And I'm grateful for what the Lord did. But Sunday night is kind of like everybody gathering in the living room, you know. It really is. It's a, it's a, it's a different um, vibe is not a spiritual word, I don't think. But it is a very different uh, feeling. And I, uh, I certainly am appreciative of that. Here we find ourselves in the last of the 13 points that we've covered thus far on but God moments in the Bible. Andy led us in a brief segment from Romans chapter number 8 on uh, basically, how shall he not freely give us all things? God is a giver, and that is the last uh, of the thoughts that we have covered. But I want to share just a few more thoughts along uh, those lines. And uh, the first thing that we mentioned (coughs) when we last met was God gives joy. If you don't have joy, it's because one of two things. Either you don't have the Lord or somebody has robbed you of yours. Uh, We we finished speaking uh, two weeks ago on Thursday nights, uh, ye did run well, who hath hindered you. In other words, there are things and sometimes people in our lives that can cause that joy to dissipate or to evaporate completely. And uh, usually, uh, we do a pretty good job of that on our own, but every child of God, God doesn't want you going through life lacking joy. If you walk out of here tonight, you go through your life, you got no joy, it's because either you don't have the Lord or you've allowed something to take it from you. And it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, that things don't happen to people's lives. I was talking to my wife last night. Uh, we try that every once in a while. Seems to be working well. Um, tough crowd. You guys are barely listening. But I was sharing something with her, and I, I had just finished a book last night, and uh, it was so good, I'm, I'm probably going to read it again. And, um, but I, as, after I read it, I said to her, I said, you know, I, I, this thought occurred to me, and I, I wrote it down. And I'm probably going to use it in a sermon, so I don't want to get ahead of it. But the, everybody does have wounds, but not everybody has scars. 
And there's a big difference. Because a scar is that which you've allowed to heal. A wound is that which you keep fresh. I don't want to preach that tonight because I just thought of it last night and and wrote a couple thoughts down. But that's coming soon to a pulpit near you. But, But for us, many times we think, well, I don't have my joy because this happened. That was a choice you made. It's been said to rejoice is a choice. God says, I came, and one of the things that I brought with me is joy. You know, in fact, he described, he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The very thing, one of the very events that we spoke about today uh, and, 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 and observed with the Lord's Supper tonight and He said, for the joy that was set before him, because he knew what was coming down the pike, he endured all of that. And sometimes we allow our joy to be gone because, well, this this happened. Yes, it did. And there's no no way of going back and reliving or redoing and the events and hurts and wounds in people's lives. I, I don't mean to minimize them. But, uh, you know, David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Not everybody can say that. Now, think about the life that David lived and the sin, of course. We think of the window, the season of life for David with sin. But, it, but he said it was good because that affliction brought me to God. Uh, Lauren, you and Christiana sang a song. What was the name of that again? Scars. And I don't know all the words to it, but I, but I know there is a huge difference between a wound and a scar. And again, I don't want to preach it yet because I haven't developed it. But man, what a, what a powerful thought because one of the reasons we have lost our joy, and it's a sad thing because I, I'm talking to God's people tonight for the most part. And some of us, we just, this is not good grammar, but it's on the bottom shelf. Some of us, we ain't got it. We're walking around with the weight of the world upon our shoulders, and our joy has been snatched. By the way, that's what the devil does. He's a thief. The thief cometh but to rob and to steal. Now, we think initially, well, of course, that's talking about the gospel, and we understand that from the parable of the the sower. Uh, A sower went out to sow good seed, and we talk about seed that fell on good ground, thorny ground, stony ground, and all that, and we talk about someone came by and grabbed up that seed, and certainly the application is there for, for salvation. But I think what happens a lot of times to the Christian is that that peace and that joy and that hope and that, 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 uh, uh, that ability to endure the storms of life, the devil comes along and says, I'm going to get that. Let me have that. Let me have that. Let me have that. And there goes your joy seeds. There goes your peace seeds. And every time he does it, just remember this. God could say to every child of his, you didn't get that from me. Joy. The second thing is peace. Peace, Jesus said, John chapter 14, my peace I give unto you. It's not like, it's not what the world gives. The world gives a counterfeit. The world gives a temporary. My peace is very, very different. By the way, the Bible says, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. God has very strong opinions of those whose lives are contrary to his word. He says, there's no peace to them. And he goes further. He says, I'm angry with the wicked every day. And you don't want to be, you know, sometimes people say, I don't want to be on his bad side. You know the one person whose side I do not wish to be on his bad side is God Almighty. He said, I'm angry with the wicked every day. 
Now, wicked we typically think of in the scriptural sense. It's talking about a group of people uh, that, that are separate and deniers of God altogether. I wouldn't argue with that application, but I do think you can live a wicked life. And I do think when you do that, when the dew of sin is fresh on your brow, it makes living life of peace very, very difficult. Make no mistake about it. You can make your choices and choose to live however you please, but understand this, every choice you make carries with it consequences. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but there's always consequences with every decision that we make. So Jesus said, that peace, I I brought that. You got that from me. And if you have it, it comes from God. If you don't, someone stole yours. Come on now, don't leave me hanging. Joy, peace. Third thing, we talked about that this morning a little bit, particularly with the, with the resurrection and the, the illustration that we use with the Easter eggs about Philip, the little eight-year-old boy uh, who passed away with Down syndrome. And man, every time I've read that, it was just so compelling to me. But he taught them what hope was. The Bible says to us, if in this life only we have hope, in God, we are all men most miserable. If this is it, if this is the best, by the way, the Christian life is a great thing, even if there is no eternity. Okay, but there is. And somebody said, well, wait just a second, what are you saying? I'm not preaching heresy. Don't misunderstand me. Don't throw, throw anything at me. I would say don't throw your songbooks, but some of you don't even know what those things are. They're, underneath, they're tucked neatly underneath there. Unless Alex happens to look out and say, oh, we're not on the screen. And then they make you look bad, Alex, right? At that last moment, it's like they're waiting. Wait, he's getting ready to say it. And then boom, once he says it, they throw it up there. That's the plan. It's, it's a plot. It's what it is. But, you know, those songs, you throw it at me, and, and you might think, what, what do you mean? Hey, listen, it's kind of like this. If everything that we have ever believed about eternity is wrong, the Christian life's still a bargain. Now, everything we believe about eternity based upon the Word of God is true. It's true. I don't have any reservation. I'm not second-guessing. I'm simply, you know, sometimes people say, well, the Christian life, I gave up this, I gave up this, I gave up this, I gave up this. Well, the truth is, there's a whole lot that I gave up, but it's, it's pretty much bad stuff. You know? It's like, man, I got saved, and there goes my shot at rolling around in my own vomit. Man, those were the days. <laughs> you know, man, I was just, I had some awesome stuff there. Man, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, man, I got saved, and there went my trip to the casino, wondering how I was going to put food on the table. I'm telling you, man, this Christian life has just made a mess of things. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's nobody's ever even made such a boast. But we (coughs) we think about those things that God gives us, and he says, I've given you joy, I've given you peace, and I've given you hope. I want to share a couple more verses in uh Uh, I want to hit on these last few thoughts. Paul's writing to Timothy. This is interesting. We we know this story because Paul writes to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy, of course, and Paul's, Paul's, these are Paul's last words from a a jail cell. He's he's not getting out of here. He's going to die here. And the thing is, even as he's writing these, he knows this. You know, it's one thing to know, everybody here knows you're going to die, but you're not hearing the sword sharpen next door. You follow me? Everybody knows you're going to die. I, you know, I'm not planning on dying today, but I realize I very well could. You know, and if I do, 
Honey, good luck with those house payments. We, we, by the way, we bought a house this week, just in case you're wondering, so you're stuck with us or we're stuck together, whatever the case may be. So we actually closed on it Thursday, signed my name 173 times or whatever, you know, and finally the last one said, if you can't make these payments, which one of your children in what order do you wish to give away? And that one took a little bit of time, but you know, we just went alphabetical. So Amanda, sorry, she was first. Um, but it's just the way we roll. Um, but, you know, so, so we signed that. And, you, you know, um, but Paul's writing to Timothy, and he tells him, he says, I, in fact, as he gets to the end of this, he said, hey, listen, Timothy, my time's done. I have fought a good course. I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And he tells him this. He says, can you imagine the words? The time of my departure is at hand. It sounds so poetic. He's saying, they're coming for me. You ever think about that? Now, he writes, think about the culture in which a preacher would have to pin these words. We think, oh, it's Paul. He's in prison. Yeah, we know the story. Okay, he's getting ready to die, going to be executed, yada, yada, yada. Think about the culture with in which he writes these words to a young preacher boy who's getting ready to assume the reins. Because Timothy's going to go on to become a pastor. And he says, hey, I'm getting ready to get executed, but it's all good. So I want to tell you this, God has not given this spirit. What spirit? He said, God has not given us this spirit. The first thing he said is fear. Why would he say that? Well, when he's writing this letter, there's a, there, there's a young man named Nero. And he happens to be the head honcho calling the shots at this time. Nero came to the throne as a teenage boy. His mother was very instrumental. In fact, most historians believe that she was instrumental in moving some of the family out of the way. And by the way, when you say moving some of the family out of the way, it means you have them executed moving some of the family out of the way so that Nero could ascend to the throne. When he was 22, five years into his reign, he had her executed. He killed his own mother. That's the kind of guy Nero was. Nero was the kind of guy that murdered every Christian he possibly could. That's the scene in which Paul writes this letter. And he says, hey, I just want you to know, don't be afraid. From a guy who's, you know, it's one thing for somebody to say that to you, but it's another thing entirely for a guy to say that to you who's getting ready to lose his life. God did not give you that. Well, what did God give you? Power. You're in prison. How can you say that? You don't look like you have any power. You can't deliver yourself. There's no, it it looks for you, humanly speaking, there's no way out. He says, no. He said, God gave us something as a child of God. And the first thing He didn't give us fear, but he gave us power. The Bible reminds us that, and and I've said this verse, and I'm going to to throw it up there again for you in the closing moments here tonight. John 10.10, the thief cometh not, but for to do several things, steal, kill, destroy. I am come to give you life and that they might have it more abundantly. So he writes this, and he tells me, he says, what did God give us? He didn't give us fear, but he did give us power. See, some of us are struggling with things that we should not be struggling with. And it's not because you are the key to victory, but God is. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by 
My, thy spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Bible tells us further, the battle is the Lord's. When David, we, we know every story in the Bible. I could, I, could, I could go from David stepping on the plane, picking up five smooth stones in the brook, Valley of Elah. And we, many of you have been there. And, and, and picking those stones up and, and walking across to face Goliath. Yeah, God can do that, but that was a different story and it was a long time ago. Yeah, we know Daniel was an elderly gentleman who was in prison and was brought down and thrown into the pit of the uh, den of lions, and, and God stopped, miraculously stopped the mouths of the lions that night. We know that happened. And we know that they weren't just taking a break from eating because eventually those who were cast in were devoured. In fact, the Bible says their bones never even made it to the ground. They were devoured while they were in, in Those were ravenous beasts, yet God stopped the mouths of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked in. Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah were, were their uh, Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names. And he brings them into the fiery furnace. Yes, I know that God delivered them. That was a different story for another time, another day. No, 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 no. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. I change not. A lot of things change. They're up and down and hit and miss. On and off, up, uh, you know, hot and cold, all, all the time. Everything that we can see in this life, but God says, I change never. I change never. So when you and I go through the things that we face in life, we realize this. You know, I was, I was talking about it the other night. I was thinking, and Andy, Andy and I were chatting about it yesterday. You know, here we have people in foreign countries and people in People that are, I think about some of our missionaries right now who can't carry a Bible in public because carrying a Bible in public means death. And so they hide them. I'm talking about people that we know who literally take different routes to church and are continually from week to week moving their locations. That's happening today. That happened today. On our planet today, that happened. And they won't meet in the same site next week, and they'll tell no one where they're going except those that they know they can trust. That happened on this planet today for people who are willing to go to church. Think about it for a moment. And God said, I'm all power. By me, all things consist. And I'm a giver, and I want to share that with you. And so Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, listen, he said, God didn't give us that spirit. That spirit of fear... Those footsteps that you fear in the distance, that's not from God. God gives power. The second thing he said, God gives love. This is a tough one. You say, why? Because we're so choosy about love. We really are. I mean, we, you you know, it's okay, marriage. All right? Come on, you guys aren't with me. Marriage. How's that? Are you with me now? All right? Somebody, somebody... Older crowd, you got that? Marriage, that beautiful arrangement. Are you with me? Come on, stay with me. All right? How many of you are with me? Okay. Here's the deal about marriage. God, some of you still have no idea. What's he saying? He's got a speech from Pepin. I don't know. Okay, sorry, just, just drifting here for a moment. God let you pick your husband or wife. All right, I don't think, I don't think anybody, maybe, maybe somebody's mail order. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know everybody's. Everybody's dealing here. If you've saved your receipt or whatever, I don't know how all this stuff works. But you picked them. And you know what? God was okay with that. But you got to pick that individual. You said, I do. Better for worse, rich for poor, sickness and health, 
Kentucky or Oregon, whatever. Sorry, babe, just thought I'd throw that out there. And, and all of those things, but God lets you pick. But God is no respecter of persons. And that's why he said, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And so we can't be discriminatory when it comes to our love. But some people are easier to love. We like being with them. We enjoy their company. They're a delight to us. We, we enjoy certain people. Some people don't. And so we say this, well, I like them, but I, you know, I don't love them. Or I don't like them, but I love them because God told me I needed to. That's kind of how we approach them. And we get very picky about those whom we love. But Paul is writing, and he tells him, he says, listen, you have to understand something. I'm getting ready to leave this life, and I'm going to let you know that fear you've got right now, it's not from him. It's from him. Because what God gives is love. Love for who? Love for everyone. Now think about the origination of this. Because God, robed in flesh, looked across the expanse of humanity, even at Calvary, and said, that guy, he's gambling for my clothes. I love him. There's the guy that hit me when I was blindfolded. I love him. There's the one who, in a few moments, will come by and thrust a spear into my side. I love him. You see, God doesn't look at you and mankind the way that we do. He hurt me. I don't love him. She was unkind. I don't love her. This person wronged me. I don't love them. God could say to us again tonight, regarding our lack of love for anyone and say, you didn't get that from me. Because God is love. You see, I, I, I have never done anything that has earned the love of God. Never have. It's not like I, I got up one day and this was such a stellar day that immediately God said, that's it. You're on the list. Today, I choose to love you. No, God says, I love you. Period. Always have, always will. You might reject me. You might deny me. You might curse me. You might blaspheme me. But I will never stop loving you because he will never stop being God. And God is love. And so he he says, Timothy, let me tell you something. Don't ever stop loving because that comes from God. So he says, God didn't give us fear. He gave us power. He gave us love. And the last thing, a sound mind. What is a sound mind? It means you got great confidence in him, not in yourself. It means that uh, I don't know. I'll use this illustration. I think I've shared it before, maybe not this particular component of it. But when Rebecca was going through through chemo, and I think this was just right after her first or second surgery. And there was a balcony that overlooked the city of Cincinnati. She was at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and my wife was sitting on a chair with her mother next to her and was rocking Rebecca back and forth. Tears were running down her face. Rebecca had chest tube. She had IVs, two IV poles, and uh, she was, you know, on medic- heavily sedated even then. And Tony was just able to hold her at that point. 
So she's sitting there rocking, tears running down her face. And I, I, I'm on the other side of the balcony crying too. And I'm asking the Lord, what are you doing here? How's it all going to turn out? And as, as clear, and I, I, I'm not saying that God spoke to me audibly, so I don't wanna, I'm not talking weird. But as clear as I can remember, God told me everything was going to be okay. Now, the, the difficult thing for me at that moment is I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant God was going to take her and you guys will be fine. You'll grieve, but you'll be fine. I mean, these are the th- I'm just telling you right now, real transparently, into this guy's thinking, because I, when God said everything's going to be okay, I wanted to retort back, what do you mean? Can, can you be more specific? And maybe you don't pray that way with God, but I did. You know, could you tell me, give me a little more detail and timeline, and everything's going to be okay. So I walked over, and I knelt down in front of Tony. Literally, I got on my knees, and I reached up, and I held her hands while she was rocking Rebecca. And I started to open my mouth, and I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, don't tell me anything unless it's good news. And boy, I just started crying. And I said, honey, I said, the only thing I can tell you is God says everything's going to be okay. I don't know what that means, but I know that everything's going to be okay. Now, when Paul says to Timothy, sound mind, he says this, listen, and I'm almost done, but you got to get this tonight. Somebody tonight needs this tonight, and that is this. Don't lose it because it's going to be okay. Now, now, Timothy, I'm getting ready to be executed. I haven't got to that last chapter. This is chapter 2. I'm still writing this letter. By the time you get to the end of this letter and this letter finds its way to you, I'll be gone. Your mentor, your role model, your hero, your preacher you looked up to, whatever you wanted to call me, Paul to Timothy, I'll be gone. But I'm going to tell you something. God gave you the opportunity to not lose it and to have a sound mind through trouble, through trial, through tribulation. Because the Word of God says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That means you're going to go through it. That means there are going to be times where you have no answer. There's going to be times when you pray out to God and you ask, what, God, what are you doing? How's it going to turn out? And God says to you, it's going to be okay. And you're going to say, as I did on that day, could you tell me a little more specific? And God says, as he said to Saul on the road to Damascus, go to the next city and I'll tell you later. And much of the Christian life is that way. And so don't freak out. Don't blow it. And don't think, well, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow's going to be okay. What about Tuesday? Tuesday's going to be okay. What about Wednesday? Wednesday's going to be okay, too. Yeah, but what about next week? And what about next month? And what about next year? God gave you something. He gave you peace. He gave you love. He gave you joy. He gave you power, and he gave you, as a child of God, sound mind. The difference is highlighted by one story in the Bible 
when a man was dwelling among the tombs and nobody in the town wanted anything to do with him until he met Jesus. And he would be described by Christ as a man who is now clothed and in his right or sound mind. Whatever you're facing, whatever your fears, whatever your worries, whatever your struggles, God would say to us, I'll tell you what I gave you. I gave you hope. I gave you peace. I gave you love. I gave you joy. I gave you power. And I gave you a sound mind. That fear thing, you didn't get that from me. Trust. Trust him. It's that little child who asks his dad, where are we going? And he's never really satisfied with the answer. And he always asks, are we there yet? But he still trusts. He got in that car He didn't know whether he was going to Walgreens or Disneyland. He was just glad to be going. And he may have a thousand questions along the way, but each step of the way, he's looking up and saying, my dad's got this. I don't know what it's going to cost because I don't have anything. I'm just a child. I don't know what we're going to encounter, who we're going to have to speak to along the way, but I'm going to let him do all the heavy lifting because he's my father. And so Paul tells Timothy, there's some things you're going to need to remember for what's to come. That fear thing, you didn't get it from him. Because God is a giver of only good gifts. Good gifts. Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just very, very quickly tonight, maybe God's spoken to you and there's something in your heart and life and you'd say, boy, God, and God spoke to my heart in in a very specific way about something. Maybe it was a reminder not to fear. Maybe it was a reminder about those things that God indeed gives His children. Maybe it was a refresher about those but God moments when God steps in and does what only God can. Then in a moment, the piano will begin to play and you'll have an opportunity to respond. Let's not always uh, come and get used to not moving, but rather let's ask the Lord to move in our hearts and respond as He speaks. Lord, would you bless now in the invitation time? Would your will be accomplished Help us to be obedient, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While the piano plays, if God's spoken to you tonight, would you come? Whatever it is that God might help you with tonight. Probably in our crowd tonight, there's some fear. It's pretty normal. So much so that Paul reminded Timothy, don't give in to that. And remember those things that God gives to his.
Sing the chorus with me. You know this? Here we go. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace.